book five chapters one through six of of the love of god by saint francis de sales translated by h l sidney lear this librivox recording is in the public domain book five the two chief acts of divine love which are complacency and benevolence chapter one wherein the complacency of holy love consists love as we have said already is neither more nor less than the tending and outpouring of the heart towards that which is good by means of the pleasure of complacence it finds therein so that pleasure is the great motive of love as love is of pleasure this tending is exercised towards god after the following manner by faith we know the godhead to be an incomprehensible gulf of all perfection supremely infinite in excellence and infinitely supreme in goodness this truth as taught by faith we dwell upon in meditation whether it be the collective perfection or the individual for example the omnipotence wisdom eternity etc of god now when the understanding is thoroughly impressed with the grandeur of his goodness our will cannot but be moved to delight in such goodness and then we use our free will and self-control stimulating our heart to renew its first outburst of complacency by means of acts of joyful acknowledgment he is altogether lovely this is my beloved and this is my friend o daughters of jerusalem canticle chapter five verse sixteen blessed be god in his goodness and thrice blessed i in life and death knowing how vast are his riches and goodness thus acknowledging and rejoicing in the goodness we behold in god we produce that act of love which is technically called complacency for the soul takes infinitely greater delight in the divine pleasure than in its own and this love it is which so filled the saints causing them to dwell with such delight on the perfection of their beloved and to rejoice in his name be ye sure that the lord he is god psalm one hundred verse two o god thou art my god the lord himself is the portion of mine inheritance and of my cup psalm sixteen verses two and six it is good for me to hold me fast by god god is the strength of my heart and my portion for ever psalm seventy three verses twenty five and twenty seven it is by this complacency that he is our god because thereby our heart embraces and possesses him he is our heritage because thereby we enjoy his gifts and derive all manner of delight from them by this complacency we spiritually eat and drink the perfections of the godhead for we draw them into our own heart and they become ours jacob's flock reproduced in their young the colors they beheld in the fountain whence they drank 
and in likewise the soul which dwells in loving contemplation on god reproduces in itself the colours that is the marvels of perfection which it beholds and beholding appropriates oh how rapturous will be that joy when among the blessed it is given us to behold the beloved of our hearts as a boundless sea of delight whose waters are all perfection and goodness verily then like the heart weary with the chase we shall plunge into the living waters and fill our souls with that fullness of bliss and the bridegroom will come unto us and make his abode with us this is the loving theft of love which without causing the beloved to pale steals his colours without despoiling him clothes itself with his robe takes all he has without depriving him of anything even as the atmosphere absorbs light without diminishing that of the sun or the mirror reflects human beauty without depriving him who looks therein of aught their abominations were according as they loved says the prophet hosea of evil men hosea chapter nine verse ten and in like manner we may say of the good that they are according to that they love it is recorded of saint clara de montefalco that her delight in meditation upon the passion and the trinity was so great that the symbols thereof were stamped upon her heart which became like to that she loved and saint paul so greatly loved the lord's life passion and death that they filled his heart his will through dilection his memory through meditation his understanding through contemplation but how did the dear lord fill the apostle's heart through the channel of complacent love for he says god forbid that i should glory save in the cross of our lord jesus christ galatians chapter six verse fourteen bear in mind that the only difference between glorying in any one and taking pleasure in him is that he who glories adds honour to pleasure inasmuch as honour cannot be without pleasure although pleasure may exist without honour so that saint paul had such delight in and felt so highly honoured in that divine goodness which was set forth in the life and death of jesus that he found no pleasure in aught else and therefore he glorified only in the cross saying not i but christ liveth in me and the life which i now live in the flesh i live by the faith of the son of god who loved me and gave himself for me galatians chapter two verse twenty chapter two this holy complacency renders us the babes of christ thrice blessed is that soul whose chief delight is in realizing god and his infinite goodness for it is through this door that the beloved will come in to him and will sup with him and he with me revelation chapter three verse twenty 
we feed upon his sweetness and are satisfied therewith through the boundless delight we feel and it is called a supper because of the rest which follows since complacent love causes us to rest under its shadow and gently feed therein you know that the heart feeds on that wherein it takes delight as we say for example that this man feeds on honour another on riches and the wise man says the mouth of fools feedeth on foolishness proverbs fifteen verse twenty while the word himself said my meat is to do the will of him that sent me john chapter four verse thirty four physicians and philosophers agree in saying that what pleases the appetite feeds a man let my beloved come into his garden and eat his pleasant fruits canticle chapter four verse sixteen and the beloved does come into his garden when he comes into the loving soul for since his delights are with the sons of men where can he better dwell than where he has set his own image and likeness it is a garden wherein he himself has planted the delight we feel in his goodness whereon we feed just as his goodness feeds on our delight and this reciprocal pleasure excites that incomparable love of complacence whereby the soul becomes the garden of her beloved and renders to him its pleasant fruits it draws god's heart to its own and he sheds his precious balms therein thus fulfilling the words the king hath brought me into his chambers we will be glad and rejoice in thee we will remember thy love more than wine the upright love thee canticle chapter one verse four what are the chambers of the king of love but his breast which is full of sweetness to his own as the mother's breast is full of milk for her babe thus the soul gazes on the countless treasures of its beloved and feels satisfied and abounds for all is its own through love and even as the babe thrills with eagerness at the prospect of satisfying its hunger so the soul thrills with delight as it contemplates the brightness of that exceeding love verily the upright love thee nature has placed the maternal breast close to the heart so that by its warmth milk may be produced and thus the babe's first nourishment should come of love thy love is better than wine canticle chapter one verse two observe that the comparison between milk and wine is so grateful to the bride that she repeats it over and over again wine is the milk of the grape milk the wine of the breast the bride not only likens her beloved to grapes but to grapes of cyprus that is highly perfumed moses says the lord gave the israelites the pure blood of the grape and when jacob prophesied judah's fertile portion in the promised land he foretold the highest blessing of christians 
saying that the Saviour would wash his garments, that is, his church, in wine and his clothes in the blood of grapes. Genesis chapter 49 verse 11 Wine and milk are not more different than the juice of the grape, called must, and wine. For as the must gradually takes color by reason of the sun's heat and turns into wine, so the heart's blood changes its color through heat and becomes food for the babe. Milk, which is the heart's food, composed solely of love, represents mystical knowledge and theology, that is, the sweetness coming of a loving complacence in meditation on things divine while wine signifies ordinary worldly knowledge which is acquired by dint of exertion under the wine press of argument and research and surely the milk we draw from our saviour's love is incomparably better than the wine of human knowledge prepared as it is for his children without any forethought of theirs it is sweet as ointment poured forth it gladdens without intoxicating it uplifts without taking a man out of himself when isaac kissed his favorite son he smelled the smell of his raiment and finding it exceedingly grateful cried out see the smell of my son is as the smell of a field which the Lord hath blessed. Genesis chapter 27, verse 27. The raiment and the perfume were Jacob's, but Isaac had the enjoyment and the complacency therein. And so the soul which clings to its Savior in love is filled with the sweetness of his perfumes and cries out, the smell of thy garments is like the smell of Lebanon. How much better is thy love than wine, and the smell of thine ointments than all spices. Canticle chapter 4, verses 10 and 11. Chapter 3. The love of complacence turns our hearts to God and gives a perpetual longing after him our love to god springs from that first delight which the soul experiences so soon as it perceives his goodness when first reaching after him and when this first delight is confirmed and strengthened by means of exercising this love as before said then we attract the divine perfection to our own heart by our enjoyment thereof according to the words my beloved is mine canticle chapter two verse sixteen but inasmuch as this loving delight though in us comes of god it reciprocally gives us to him and we become his even as he is ours the herb aproxis has so close an affinity with fire that even while at a distance it attracts the flame and kindles not so much from the heat as from the brightness thereof surely if it could speak it would say my beloved fire is mine since i have attracted it and rejoice in its flames but i too belong to it for if i attracted it it has absorbed me being the strongest and best 
it is my fire i its fuel i attract it it burns me so the heart which has drawn god's perfection into it may say god's goodness is mine since i taste thereof and i am his since he possesses and fills me wholly through this complacency our soul like gideon's fleece is filled with the dew of heaven the dew belongs to the fleece for it fell thereon but the fleece belongs to the dew for it is steeped therewith which belongs most to the other the shell or the pearl the pearl belongs to the shell where it was attracted but the shell belongs to the pearl whence it derives all its value the love of complacence makes us possessors of god by reason of his perfections which it attracts and causes god to possess us knitting us to those his perfections and in this complacency we drink so deeply of satisfaction that we long for more and tasting heavenly sweetness we fain would taste again eating we would yet be filled st peter says that the prophet searched and inquired diligently and prophesied of the grace that should come unto us christians both by his sufferings and the glory that should follow which things the angels desire to look into one peter chapter one verses eleven and twelve how can the angels who see the redeemer and behold all his mysteries yet desire to look into this verily they behold him and beholding is so sweet that their very delight therein satisfies them and yet kindles desire their enjoyment not being hindered by desire but rather perfected even as their desire is not extinguished but sharpened by enjoyment there is a herb called skidicus of which it is said that those who chew it suffer neither from hunger nor thirst it is so satisfying and yet their appetite never fails it is so delicious and in likewise when the will finds god it rests in him with perfect delight while yet it continues to long after him desiring to love it loves to desire rest of heart does not consist in total immovability but in wanting nothing it is not to be motionless but to have no need to move the souls of the lost are in perpetual motion without any rest we in our pilgrim state are one while at rest another in motion but the blessed always enjoy rest in motion and motion in rest while god only enjoys motionless rest inasmuch as he is in himself an all pure act and although the ordinary laws of our mortal life do not give us rest amid our movements yet whensoever we attempt to carry out the conditions of immortal life by means of holy love we find rest to the movement of our affections and movement in our rest in our beloved 
as a foretaste of that blessedness at which we aim if it be true that the chameleon lives on air it cannot fail to find food everywhere and when it moves from place to place it is not in search of food but rather as sporting amid its pastures as fish sport in the sea so he who while possessing god yet longs for him longs not as needing to seek him but as exercising those very affections which he already enjoys for the heart entertains such desire not as seeking what it already has but as reveling therein even as having walked to some delicious garden we continue to walk when there no longer in order to arrive but the more to enjoy its charms seek the lord and his strength seek his face evermore psalm 105 verse 4 saint augustine says that we are forever seeking that which we love eternally love persists in seeking that which it has found not in order to have it but to have it forever in a word that soul which practices the love of complacence cries out continually amid its sacred silence enough for me that god is god his goodness infinite his perfection boundless whether i live or die what matter since my beloved lives and reigns eternally neither can death cast a shadow over him who knows that his sovereign love lives enough for the loving soul to know that its beloved possesses all things since its life is in him more than in itself i live yet not i but christ liveth in me galatians chapter two verse twenty chapter four the loving sympathy which attends the love of complacency compassion sympathy pity or mercy call it which you will is simply an affection which causes us to share the pain or suffering of him we love drawing his misery into our own heart as it were whence the word misericordia just as complacency draws the pleasure and satisfaction of the beloved object into our heart and both are alike the result of love by the virtue it has of uniting the heart to the thing loved and thereby rendering the joys and sorrows of friends common now sympathy throws great light upon complacent love sympathy is in degree according to the love whence it springs thus the sympathy of a mother for her child is intense as we so often find mentioned in holy scripture consider the sympathy which filled hagar's heart for ishmael's suffering when he lay athirst in the wilderness or that of david for absalom or the parental soul of saint paul when he said who is weak and i am not weak when he had great heaviness and continual sorrow when he was dying daily for his children in the faith and above all consider the love which pierced the heart of the mother of our lord 
with all his pains and griefs his passion and cross how the nails which went through his sacred body the thorns which pierced his brow were verily the sword which shall pierce through thy own soul also as foretold to her sorrows of which she might indeed say that they were a bundle of myrrh betwixt her breasts canticle chapter one verse thirteen and again consider jacob who on hearing of the death of joseph cried out i will go down into the grave unto my son mourning genesis chapter thirty seven verse thirty five sympathy also depends in its degree on the suffering beheld in those we love since even where the love be small exceeding suffering draws forth much pity thus caesar wept for pompey and the daughters of jerusalem wept for our lord although the greater part among them had not cleaved to him and job's friends lamented sore over him jacob's heart was rent at the thought of joseph's cruel death hagar went aside unable to see her child die and the lord wept over lazarus and over jerusalem even so complacent love is increased in proportion as a soul is dear to us and we enter into its joy when jacob knew that his son lived his spirit revived genesis chapter forty five verse twenty seven what is meant by reviving truly our spirits actually die only when sin separates us from god but they die sometimes so to say in another as instanced in jacob for in his great sympathy love drew joseph's death into jacob's heart and by a miracle of which love alone is capable the patriarch was as one dead by reason of a son who was really alive but when he knew that his son lived his love overthrew this fictitious death and brought back real life and so he revived saying it is enough joseph my son is yet alive and when with his own eyes he beheld his greatness he fell on joseph's neck and wept and cried out now let me die joyful since i have seen thy face and thou art yet alive genesis chapter forty six verse thirty see how jacob pours forth his joy which is so great that it makes even death itself joyful and welcome whether of those two was gladdest at joseph's prosperity he who enjoyed it or jacob who rejoiced in it surely if the point of prosperity is the enjoyment it brings the father had as much and more than the son for the son all viceroy as he was had a ruler's toils and cares but the father enjoyed it through the love of complacency and tasted not save his son's greatness and prosperity without any care or toil i shall die content if death itself could not affect his joy what else could do so love is strong as death canticle chapter eight verse six 
and the joy of love overpowers the sadness of death for death cannot extinguish but rather revives it there is a fountain near grenoble to which saint augustine bears witness that a fire burns within and this holy love is so strong that its flame survives amid the utmost bitterness of death and many waters cannot quench love canticle chapter eight verse seven chapter five the sympathy and complacent love found in the passion of our lord when i behold my saviour on the mount of olives his soul sorrowful even unto death i am forced to cry out what but love itself in its boundless compassion could so draw our misery into thy all-powerful heart and how can the devout mind contemplate the sorrows of the divine lover of souls without a loving holy grief and remembering that they were not the result of weakness but rather of his exceeding and powerful affection surely such a soul will cry out with the bride of the canticles i am black with sympathetic grief but comely through love the sufferings of my beloved are as though the sun had looked upon me for who could see one dearer than life in such anguish and not be withered by the sorrow the tents of the wandering tribes are thick with dust and i like them am weighed down with distress as i gaze upon my saviour's woes but forasmuch as those woes are the result of love while they grieve me through sympathy they win me through affection how could a faithful bride fail to rejoice in beholding the bridegroom's so great love and thus beneath the blackness of sorrow we find the comeliness of love and while i mourn over the passion and death of my king i rejoice over his exceeding love amid all this travail and heaviness so there are at once the black tents of kedar and the broidered curtains of solomon love makes the unlike like my beloved is a burning thorn-bush and i am as a lily among thorns canticle chapter two verse two i suffer in his pangs but i rejoice in his love and if we suffer with him we shall be also glorified together romans chapter eight verse seventeen this was the love through which the seraphic saint francis received the stigmata and saint catherine of siena the precious wounds love sharpening the edge of sympathy thus the loving delight we feel in our dear lord's love quickens infinitely our compassion for his griefs as on the other hand sympathy with those griefs enhances love's delight and so the two sympathetic love and loving sympathy struggle like another esau and jacob in an ecstasy of love and pain such as saint francis and saint catherine more than others experienced and thus is born that
precious union of the heart with god which as a mystical benjamin is the offspring both of suffering and love words cannot tell how the lord longs to enter into our souls through this sympathetic love open to me my sister my love my undefiled he cries for my head is filled with dew and my locks with the drops of the night canticle chapter five verse two what is this dew but the sorrows of his passion pearls are but dewdrops shed by the night over the sea and caught within the shell and so the beloved one charged with the dewdrops of love of that night of suffering and that darkened noonday sun calls on thee to open thy heart even as the shell expands to the dew promising to shed the drops of his passion within it sure as they are to turn to gracious pearls of consolation chapter six the love of benevolence we practice towards our lord through desire god's love towards us always begins with benevolence for it is he who creates all that good in us wherein he afterwards takes delight he raised up david after his own will and then found him a man after his own heart through love he created first the universe for man and then man for the universe giving to each thing that measure of goodness which was fitting in his pure benevolence and then beholding the whole that it was very good he rested lovingly from his work genesis chapter one verse thirty one but on the other hand our love to god begins with the complacence we find in his sovereign goodness and infinite perfection and thence we go on to benevolence and as god's complacence in his creatures is nothing else than the continuance of his benevolence towards them so our benevolence towards god is but the continuance and confirmation of our complacence in him now this love of benevolence towards god is as follows it is impossible for us really to desire any increase of good to god because his goodness is infinitely more perfect than anything we can imagine or desire desire can only have respect to something future and there is no future good with god all being so essentially present with him that the presence of good in his divine majesty is neither more nor less than his divinity itself since then we can have no actual desire on god's behalf we cry out with david lord thou art my god my goods are nothing unto thee psalm fifteen verse two what is there but is nothing unto thee yet were it possible that thou couldst want aught i would desire it for thee at the cost of my life and being were it possible to add any good thing to thee i would pour out my life in one long wish to give it thee but since this may not be 
I rejoice above all things in that thy supreme good, to which nothing can be added. Yet were it possible to add aught thereto, then would I with my whole being desire so to do. And thus, in the very thought of what is impossible, I can, through fervent love, offer somewhat to thy glory. Some such thing St. Augustine was wont to do. Again, another form of the love of benevolence towards God is when, although unable to add to his intrinsic glory, we yet fervently desire to increase it ourselves, and to rejoice more and more in his goodness. And this not because of our own satisfaction in so doing, but for his sake alone just as we do not seek to bestow sympathy for the sake of the sorrow with which it fills us, but because that sympathy unites us with the object of our love. And by means of such unitive love, we become ever more and more like to the mother of love, whose soul magnified the Lord, and her spirit rejoiced in God her Saviour thereby to show that she so magnified him through her exceeding delight in the divine goodness. End of Book 5, Chapter 6